Okay, well, everything is live, and let's get the two shot and say hi, everybody. Okay, we're back. Let's see if we have mic check for Fiorella. Hello, mic check. Can I, you hear me? I, I I think we can. There might even be two of you. So I see two things. How about now? Hello. Now hello, should, hello. Now you should be good. They should hear okay. me. They should hear you. Uh, let's see if anybody is, uh, let's, I'm going to go live on telegram. I, I, I have no way to know that's, this is kind of an issue. Yeah. We got to figure this out. Um, okay. So how do we miss that? Yes. I, I, I have no way to know that's we, okay. Now that was on telegram. I had to mute it. We're good on there. So I know that, uh, that sounded okay. Um, So like I said, my guest, Fiorella, needs very little to no introduction, but everybody knows her and loves her. Hi, Fee. Um, Hi. Are we, can Can we hear her? Yes, I can hear both Fee and I. And yay, Kate. Thank you, Kate. Appreciate you. All right. So uh, now we can get going. Yes. Yay. All right. Let's switch to Indeed. Andy Main. Let's do this. I've been dying to do this. So the real larger COVID psyop. With um, C.J. Hopkins, who has a Substack, I don't know if you if you know C.J. Hopkins. I'm guessing you do. He writes for Off Guardian, and he has his own thing. But what he's talking about is how did memory hold psyop, and that Project Veritas, in the larger scheme of things, is look. There comes time at the end of every psyop when it has to when it's achieved its objective, or much of its objective is that it's going to achieve, and become an increasingly recognizable as a PSYOP. That's what mm -hmm. CJ's contention was. I think you've been saying this for like three years now, right? Yeah, maybe longer, but yeah. Well, specifically COVID. Are you referring to COVID? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's, they're talking about, because this is a crucial stage, because at this point, a significant percentage of the public have realized they've, thoroughly, they've been thoroughly mind-fucked. Many of them are none too happy about it. Some are starting to ask awkward questions like, why were we deceived and coerced by our governments, global health authorities, and the state and corporate media into submitting into a series of experimental vaccinations that appear to be killing and injuring a lot of people? Or why were we occupying and torturing residents of a Middle Eastern country that never attacked us and never had any intention to attack us, which posed no threat to us whatsoever? It's kind of weird, right? And at this point, it's way, way too late for those engaged in conducting the PSYOP to continue to deny the facts and gaslight the masses. It won't work anymore. Right? So it's time to do some limited hangouts and some whitewashing and a little sleight of hand and just generally confuse and distract the public and send them off in wild, various wild goose chases while the official history of the PSYOP is written. See, I love this, this article because it kind of lays out, and you guys have been uh, on the convo couch talking about this over time. Um, and this just kind of hit all of it, all the points for me in one short article um, and and taking it to the end and kind of proving you right in a lot of ways. Um, right? For example, let's say you're wrapping it up, which you radically restructured society into a path of pathologized totalitarian dystopia. I love that. <laughs> you know, that's like your, your stuff, your techno technocratic panopticon type of stuff, you know? Where, where the majority of the masses went full-blown fascist, violently following senseless orders, 
parroting official propaganda, demonizing and persecuting those who refuse to conform to the official new ideology. Let's just say you're winding down a PSYOP like that, and what you need to erase from your official history is the fact that your entire PSYOP was based on nothing but fake stats, and because the pandemic you used as pretext was mostly comparable to the medium influenza pandemics of 36, 57, 68, right? I mean, this is crazy. Talk about the total, the new normal, and now you need to erase all that from history. Well, how, how do you do that? Um, are you seeing any of this stuff over in Russia, by the way? How are they talking about any of this stuff? Like, what, what, what are they talking oh, about yeah. with, with regard to COVID? Are they, like, trying to push big pharma narratives and stuff? No, I mean, it's a little bit different here um, than it is in the United States. Um, but first off, I mean, every single uh, counter-narrative needs a counter-narrative to that one. So there, there will always be people trying to co-opt the opposition. I think people like Elon Musk are part of that. They are... Uh, these supposed anti-establishment figures that are there to uh, really drag people back into the establishment with these fake um, attempts to make them seem like they're, you know, they're actually challenging the status quo. Same with Andrew Tate, same with all these people. They're there for the, the quote, left um, and the right to continue fighting each other over these cultural wars. Um, and as far as the COVID narrative, it's been entirely exposed. So now instead of denying what's been exposed they have to control whatever they can so that's why you're seeing compromise outlets like project veritas come out with things we already knew we know that big pharma makes a ton of money and that they need to have a way to um uh generate sickness because that's how they make their money and that's been known for a long time somebody admitting it to that admitting to that doesn't really tell us much else it doesn't really tell us the origin of this virus, why it, it was released, and and the fact that there are uh, bio labs in Ukraine, that that this has been going on for a long time. There's been movies made before uh, the pandemic that pretty much mirrored exactly how our uh, the 2020 quote unquote pandemic happened, and it was talked about, of course, in Davos. And um, before that, in the World Economic Forums, but prior to 2020. So this is part of that whole agenda. And that is not separate from what's happening in Russia right now with this proxy war uh, against Russia via Ukraine. It's all part of the same type of PSYOP. If you look closely at what the intelligence apparatus is doing, they use the same type of language, the same type of uh, strategies to get people to fall in line. You mm -hmm. go back to the 2020 election. Even before that, you go back to Russiagate. It was used by vilifying an entire group of people by having, of course, uh, the villain, which was in that case, Trump, and uh, and then Bernie supporters by extension. And then, of course, after that, it, the, the, uh, the, the question about Russiagate was discussed up, it's still discussed now to this day. And we had the elections of 2020, we had that, we had COVID. And so every single PSYOP that's been thrown at people was used by having a villain to blame it on, and then by turning people against each other and making them be the ones to ask for more uh, security. So if, oh, there's so many Russian bots, we need more censorship of, of online media. We need, we need more censorship 
to keep these Russian bots away. Oh, we need more censorship from the uh, COVID deniers. And we need more police to, to go after these Trump supporters who are trying to overthrow our d democracy, even though the left was supposedly fighting this establishment before and they were anti-cop. They turned out to be pro-cop because it was a Trump supporter. So that that's how you manipulate people. And of course, now where we're at in this whole thing, nobody cared about Ukraine. People couldn't even point it point to it on a map, but they easily were able to be convinced that Ukraine sovereignty was the most important thing after a quote unquote pandemic and a disastrous economy and inflation and, and houselessness and, and just this crisis that the United States is going through economically, that Ukraine was their priority because sovereignty and we need to respect sovereignty. The same people that said that they were fighting the establishment decided that Russia was their main problem. And it's psychological priming, it's psychological programming. It's it's this we couldn't have this the success of brainwashing the population against Russia without having had COVID, without having had the elections, without having had the uh Russiagate and the 2016 primary. We couldn't have had any anything that's happened happening now without having that in the past. And so um it's all part of the same thing. And what we're seeing here in Russia is more people question the reality of things. Uh, a lot of people are not vaccinated, even with the Sputnik vaccine. A lot of people did not want to get it, um, especially in inner regions of Russia, in the middle of Russia and in Siberia, mm -hmm. more people uh, are not vaccinated. And uh, also Russia has come out fully against the digital ID uh, situation that has been pushed by the uh, European Union and of course the West, they've fervently come out against it. Uh, I haven't seen any forced vaccinations or any mandates that I've talked about, about uh, people here. There's no such thing as that. Uh, and when I was in Donbass recently, we were talking about the uh, global hegemony. We were talking about the, the global takeover via via the world economic forum and davos that was a conversation i was having with a bunch of people some of them who still um have a respect at the very least for the soviet union so what you're seeing here in in russia is an attempt to have a a sovereign respect for what russia is and what russians are and what people in general are in every country to have respect for who they are culturally, what they choose to do. You're seeing this in Africa, the ousting of the uh, French from Burkina Faso and from other parts of Africa, the ousting of Europeans. The attempt at neocolonialism once again is failing. And in Latin America, you're seeing the refusals to send arms and weapons and funds to Ukraine by nations that were once huge partners and allies to the United States. Colombia being one of them, for example, Brazil has refused. You're seeing the emergence of de-dollarization with an attempt to uh, completely stop reliance on the dollar by creating their own currencies like the SUR. And this is an attempt, of course, via Brazil and Argentina. Um, and so this is not coincidental to what's going on in the com conflict between Russia and Ukraine. This is let's call it what it is, the conflict between Russia and the NATO collective 
is what's going on. So it's no surprise the United States now needs another distraction for its populace. And in that we've seen in the last week, of course, the giant dangerous weather balloon. The, that the had Chinese to be taken balloon. Down right? <laughs> with an F-16 or F-22, a ridiculous amount of force for a weather balloon on either end. It's it's ridiculous. But of course now, you know, uh, as I think a few a few people may have mentioned this before, a few analysts, but I agree totally. I um, This isn't just about Russia. This is about China because China is a more powerful economy and uh, China is another nuclear power. And uh, Sergei Lavrov met with his foreign minister uh, counterpart, Chinese counterpart recently, and they cemented their relationship saying this relationship is strong, that it's only going to grow. And with BRICS growing, you're not going to see that relationship be strained. If anything, you're going to see these relationships uh, build in Africa with the Middle East or West Asia and uh, with Latin America. And that's something that the United States and Europe and the NATO collective don't want because that's going to get in the way of this agenda that they have where they're in control and the rest of the world is just merely a jungle for them to dispose of. Yeah. Yeah, it's a mess. Um, yeah. I, I, holy shit, there's so much that you, you had in there. Um, yeah, well, sorry. No, no, that's, <laughs> that's okay. You, you, you go off on... You, that's what he does. Um, we're talking about Malone, and we're talking about you know this this kid Jordan and Project Veritas, and and about the limited hangouts that they're dropping on on COVID. Um, mm-hmm. and and just how, how people still are just starting to wake up to it. Like take this COVID Twitter files. You know he's he's ripping at a Lee Fang. How Lee Fang got contacted, and this is this is what's weird. You know you're with the Intercept. That's that's who. Musk goes to again. I think we know Musk is Intel state. Uh, he's got big connections and he's not going to play around with it. He's been censoring just as many left people. We, we need Joe back. We got to get Joe back on Twitter. It's ridiculous. He got, you know, he got mass reported by the, by the NAFO bots for posting the Nazi, you know, proving the Nazi content of what's going on out there. And, and yeah, it's, it's brutal. So he's, it sucks. It sucks not having him. Consent Factory yeah. was making fun of, you know, again, limited hangout, textbook limited hangout, not su- not suggesting that he or any of them are controlled opposition. No, it doesn't work that way. They're picked because exactly who they are, because Lee Fang works for Pierre Omidyar, a millionaire working for a billionaire, just like Alex Berenson, even. And he mentioned Sacred Cow, Glenn Greenwald, who I like and respect, are perfect vehicles for limited hangouts because they're in the big club. Okay. They have they have limited access. They have exclusivity, and they have the, the, some kind of an elite status. They're they're believed to be independent and adversarial, but what they are is again, you know, not necessarily that. And I I don't know. At times, hard to argue with, right? No one has to explain this to them, right? That that there's limitations that that they they put it all at risk if they cert- go beyond certain limits. And, you know that because you've gone beyond yeah. that limit and put yourself at risk beyond that. So I think this is right in line with what you've been talking about again. And if you ask them, they'll tell you that there is no such line for adversarial journalists, not because they're lying, but because they can't see it. All right. I'm sure you believe everything you're saying. What I'm saying is if you believed it, you wouldn't be sitting where you're sitting. That's, no, that's Chomsky. Right. <clears throat> and one more well, thing on. I mean, I ahead. think some of them believe it and some of them don't. Like, I mean, I think some of them know and some of them really don't see it. 
So I think there's just, mm. I think there's both. I, you, you definitely at some level you, you see, uh, that's why, like I said, I've always said if, if, uh, you know, working for RT, I was told I couldn't have an independent outlet. I wouldn't be working for them because then that, you know, I, they don't cover, uh, everything that I want to cover. Mm-hmm. So that's just the reality of, of network media. Uh, in general, once you get that big, uh, there are certain things that, you know, I mean, I I did a package on COVID recently, uh, well, maybe a couple months ago, and that was one of the few things uh, they've done on COVID. It's not necessarily outrightly discussed, um, mainly because of the censorship aspects, but I mean, they're censored everywhere at this point, so why does it matter? Um, And um, things like that, just like certain, certain, uh, things that are angles that are just not going to be covered, but they definitely, uh, feature more anti-imperialist views than, you know, and I, I obviously lend my views, uh, than other, uh, anywhere near CNN, Fox, MSNBC, all these people. So like the Iraq coverage alone, what we're going over now, 20 years since the war in Iraq is, is something that the West will not cover ever because it makes them look like what they are uh imperialists who destroyed entire entire countries and an entire uh, millions of iraqis with with their policies and of course destroy the lives of american soldiers too who, who came back from those wars this is something pasta always emphasizes um and so that that is true i mean there are you know there are levels but i mean i think a lot more people are more aware than 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 we think it's just a matter of protecting your um your your career to yeah, a degree. My, my, I, I understand. My, my worry is still that we're not even close to reaching the normies, that we're still like screaming into yeah. a huge echo chamber. And I don't think Elon Musk has done anything to help that whatsoever. If anything, he might have even made it worse yeah. in some ways. All right. But that it's funny that Taibi, unlike Fang Emerson, has the sense to steer clear of the COVID part, which is a lose lose equation for famous adversarial journalists. But the Fang, this is about Hamilton 68. And this is the thing. And this is what I wanted to point out. And I love this this thing. Hamilton 68 was not a scam and the media didn't fall for it. It was a psyop and the media participated in it. And if you think I'm nitpicking, yeah. you don't understand how official narratives are created and maintained. I wanted to, I wanted to like broadcast this thing across everywhere. Right. That's one of my favorite lines that's been written for a while. They're not created and maintained with magic or top secret mind control technologies. They're created and maintained with words. Words that frame events in a certain way that you were just talking about this and are repeated and reprinted over and over by persons and organizations of influence until they become mm-hmm. officially what happened, right? And you're witnessing the beginning of that process now. Fang's tweet, just one of many examples, saying the media fell for, for Hamilton 68. And they, they were scammed mm-hmm. by that clown, all right? No, they didn't. Mm-hmm. They wanted that to happen, first of all. They wanted to believe it. They wanted it all to be true, right? The actual PSYOP in which they participated is erased, right? Their complicity is portrayed as mere incompetence, which for which they got right. paid billions and billions of dollars in revenue and salaries and bonuses and everything. And this should be familiar to anyone who was paying attention during the war on terror, right? Comparing that to Iraqi WMD PSYOP, which included the same type of limited hangouts and corrections, corporate press. And then of course, Julian Assange blew the wall, blew the doors off of that. <clears throat> um, and he, here's yeah. the, the official narrative. This was the official 2004 correction. Mistakes were made effectively yeah right for the new york times yeah right so that's that but this is what they do this is what they do and that's why i don't buy this uh twitter file uh revelation so eloquently given out to certain people 
like Barry Weiss, like Lee Fang, like certain groups, uh, Baron said, because it, it just shows you that they were handpicked for a reason, like you mentioned. It also shows you what, of course, there's lawyers involved. You don't get to see everything. It's not, you know, direct source. It's not like it was released like WikiLeaks was released. This is right. like you're only seeing what they want you to see, where they're allowing you to see one. And two, of course, it, it, it absolves the corporate media. It absolves the government really entirely. Uh, of any accountability, the corporate media, if the corporate media fell for it, they were victims. They're, they weren't victims. They're, they're the tentacles of the State Department that is used to brainwash people. They're not victims. They are part of it. And so is the government. Is the government ever going to be questioned for for weaponizing? Oh, no, but it's a private company. So they're able to, you know, make these deals and blah, blah, blah. And if they want to do this and that. And so they find these loopholes in the law and they're able to do very nefarious things to control what people think. The real victims are the everybody else that's affected by this. See, the people who lost their jobs, the people who who have been censored or, or mm -hmm. smeared. But more so, um, the victims of, of the U.S. empire is everybody else that we trample over uh, with our with, you know, the tax dollars that are going to fund Ukraine, uh, Ukrainian uh, Nazis. Um, and then, of course, the bombs that are sent to kill innocent people in order to, to save democracy. So those that, that's the real victimology. But there's never going to be any accountability coming. And this is what people need to learn. You will not get justice or accountability coming from the same people that caused the problems in the first place. Uh, Elon Musk's ties to the State Department and the war machine um, are just undeniable at this point. And I would look to Whitney's uh, Webb's earlier work for that. Uh, she's one of the people that's been talking about that for a long time. So has uh, so have others, uh, including I think Vanessa Bealy did a, a, a thing on it as well a while ago. But uh, this is this is not this is undeniable and you can't put that aside and say well maybe he's one of the good guys um when those ties are clear when who he is with starlink uh when who he is with um darpa and where he comes from and that sort of thing you can't just put that aside and people need to understand that any sort of revolt against the establishment any sort of justice at this point in an empire in an oligarchy is not going to come from the top it's going to it's got to come from people from people at the bottom the, the working people the people who don't really have power combining their power that's what it's got to come from it's it's not just going to come from a benevolent uh, figure and and americans of course have been brainwashed via this superhero mentality that somebody's going to save them this duet machina that a god like figure is going to come down from the heavens and f solve all their problems and it's just not the case and and you're still fed that through marvel through you know and unfortunately sorry guys if if you love these movies but that's what they're there for they're there to ensure that you believe that there is going to be a hero that's going to save us all but the reality is we're alone in the sense of of that but we're not alone in the sense of combining the effort. And the problem is people are so focused on tearing each other down uh, at, at that level instead of, you know, really outlining who the, the, the problems, who the real purveyors of, of the chaos and injustice really are here. Mm hmm 100%. Um, so just getting back to this, again, just, just at the point, PSYOP has been subjected to 
assault. Oh boy, that, that needs to move. Thank you, Rumble. Hi, Rumble. By the way, we're live on Rumble. I just was checking to make sure that we were, and now I guess we are. Uh, eventually, so even obsessive. Ah, look at that. See, that that was the end of the article. Ex obsessive conspiracy theorists like CJ will tire of writing about it, and they'll turn their attention to less depressing topics. I don't know what that is. That'll be kind of a relief, I guess. Maybe he can be funny again if he can forget about all those dead and severely, of course, injured people. But uh, we have merch. I was wearing this last night. It was really comfortable. Yeah. Uh, and this one, too, actually. My daughter was wearing the kitty shirt. So um, I wanted to get like a Ukraine update and a, and a well, actually, a Russia update uh, since you were in the Donbass and somewhat recently. Uh, I can get a, we can get a, a real firsthand report. There was also an article that I clipped from Margaret Kimberly about how the U.S. continues escalating in Ukraine. And I think that this is going to kind of support some of the things that you're talking about. Indie Media Award honoree, Black Agenda Report, as well as the person sitting right now underneath me, next to me, and, and on the other side of the screen. But that the U.S. government got more than it bargained for after instigating the Ukrainian conflict. Biden foreign policy team grows more desperate as their plans become more dangerous. They reckon with the unintended consequences of their actions, right? Victoria Newland, our favorite Victoria Newland. Just so much, so much problems caused by that one woman alone. Between in the last eight, ten years, she's pretty influential, unfortunately, in a negative way. Um, yeah, yeah, one of those persons in the revolving door foreign policy, Maidan Square. Now she's in South America, right? I believe. Is that, is that where she's based now? I think she's in Venezuela or, or in um, in Brazil, st setting up and pretty pretty sure that's what she was. Yeah, she was supposed to take a trip there, as far mm -hmm. as I knew, Brazil, I think. Right, she gabbed on an unsecure phone, discussed who the next president of Ukraine ought to be. Right, declaring Ukraine's new reality as a de facto U.S. colony, she she famously or rather infamously said, "Fuck the EU." Right, so. Mm -hmm. Of course, she's back with Biden administration. She's the leader of the proxy war against Russia and Ukraine, right? And then just recently, we know she said she she, she referred to uh, Nord Stream Two as a hunk of metal at the bottom of the sea. Um, we've been saying from the beginning that the accusations are ridiculous about about what happened with Nord Stream. It's pretty obvious what happened that it was uh, some kind of a NATO operation. It likely was planted in June when they were doing joint operations with Sweden and Finland and Poland. In, and then um, the charges were likely set off by British intel in September. Um, that's the best guess of what actually happened. So that the U.S. has plausible deniability and everybody else in the area is implicated. There, were no, there was no detection of any Russian ships, any Russian anything activity anywhere in the area before that. There's no way that it could have been what they said it was. So that was yet another PSYOP talking about, you know, uh, talking about what PSYOPs are doing. So so that, that that's my take, okay? We will work with Germany to ensure it doesn't move forward. Of course, that was Newland in January. And 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 then you've got Biden saying, well, we're just not going to, we're going to make sure it's it's not going to happen. Turn the ruble to rubble. <clears throat> She's just been a, a, rush, a, rush, a Russophobe and, and a, a Russia gator and, and someone who, has been directly profiting for her benefactors off of this conflict. I mean, I, I don't know if she's being paid by the weapons manufacturers. I would guess that she's not directly, but she's certainly taken care of by them, I'm sure, in some way, shape, or form. 
and and recommended for jobs and recommended to certain things and they take care of their own you know um thoughts on on all of this on Nord Stream, on Ukraine, on the PSYOP, on all of it. Right. So um, we know that Victoria Nuland was extremely well involved in the uh, ousting of Yanukovych, uh, a democratically elected leader of Ukraine in 2014. And people like to forget that that happened. They like to pretend that, you know, the U.S. just went in there benevolently. We know it was a CIA operation. We know that... Um, she and Jeffrey Pyatt manipulated that election as they manipulated elections all over the world. And they, uh, that of course was used as the excuse to, um, lead the, the, the Maidan coup and liberate, uh, certain, uh, sectors, um, from the Russians. But in reality, these people, after the fall of the Soviet union, so many parts of these areas were ethnically and are ethnically Russian. They have culturally the Russian language, the Russian Russian heritage, and they never have never felt not Russian. And this is what people don't understand. Uh, it is Russia. It's always been Russia. That part of what we call Ukraine has always been Russia. And they get really offended when you don't say that it's the, the Donbass is Russia, that it has been a part of Russia for a long time. Oh. These people chose it even before the, uh, the, the voting to become part of the Russian Federation that took place uh, this last year. The people there felt that they were Russian, which is why they were fighting for it. You'll see a lot of Soviet flags in the Donbass. You'll see lots of talk about uh, what the Soviet Union was, lots of nostal nostalgic memor m memories uh, that 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 are there because Ukraine during the whole time in the Donbass didn't do anything for the people of the Donbass. Everything that was built, the buildings, if you go look at them, they were built, they were Soviet era buildings, Soviet era apartments. Um, the only thing Ukraine did was facilitate the delivery of some uh, water to the region, which is why now they afterwards they blew it up and Donbass right. lacks water. Mm -hmm. So um, they they really haven't done anything. So that's why there's so much loyalty to Russia, and um, they these people are not fighting just for for uh, themselves. Even though, of course, for nine years we know that they were subjugated to torture to shelling continuous uh, bombing, being stuck in basements. I got to talk to some people from Solidar who uh, is now going to be part of the Russian Federation, that area. And uh, they were very, very uh, shaken, but they also understand that many of their relatives are in Ukraine. What people need to understand is Russians don't hate Ukrainians. Uh, Russians see them as as family, as brothers and sisters, as as people that they know. And um, a lot of their family members are on the other side. So many didn't want to speak to us because they felt that it could endanger them and yeah, their families um, in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, the, rev uh, the, the revelation of the, the soldiers, the liberation of the soldiers that were, of course, POWs kept in captivity and how they were tortured. While some of them, uh, both the, the people that were stuck in, in these basements and the soldiers have mentioned hearing english speaking voices which tells us that there are mercenaries that there are nato troops there that are fighting with ukraine's army 
And there is no denial, as the German uh, MP, German politician recently said, that they are at war with Russia. They're not denying it anymore. They know that this is happening. They know that that uh, they can't hide it anymore, that it's not about Ukraine's sovereignty, that Ukraine's sovereignty has been gone since 2014 or perhaps before that, technically. Um, and it's not about protecting Ukraine because Ukraine's economy will never be the same. Ukraine will never be the same as ever, ever now, because um, uh, it's about destroying Russia. And they said this in the 2019 RAND document where they talked about breaking Russia up and yep. using the Balkans to do it. And that was mentioned, but also the fact that the Minsk Accords were admittedly only to buy us more time and to continue training Ukraine and make, preparing Ukraine for war with Russia. Um, and so we know that it's not about that. And uh, recently, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov admitted that if the United States and NATO continue supplying more weapons and more aid and involving themselves in Ukraine, Russia is going to have no choice but to continue pushing back further because they cannot risk this happening again. They can't risk NATO being at their border because this is why Finland and Sweden are such an important part of this, because if they became a part of NATO, um, they would completely entirely surround Russia and and russia knows that that's not good they can't have that because again they know that the goal is to break russia up into ethnic groups ethnic minorities different states that that they can control that they can uh say we're giving them sovereignty and this is where i fight with a lot of anarchists because they and some libertarians because they tend to be like well everybody has the right to sovereignty that's the excuse that the west is using the west has never ever given a damn about anybody's sovereignty we see every time they leave a place they leave it worse off than what it was we've seen that in syria in their support of the white helmets we've seen that in afghanistan in their support of al-qaeda and the radical actual radical extremist and we've seen that happen throughout the middle east and what happened of course in iraq and and um this this is nothing new it's the same exact playbook which is why you should by now at least recognize it if you're at least you know uh 30 years old and older you should know what it looks like we already did it once it's the same exact playbook yeah we They've literally so already did it times. once we did it to the soviet union literally we you know help we didn't do it over time it broke itself up into literally republics like you're talking about right now they just want to take russia and do yeah. the same thing to them but but Ukraine and all these countries, what we want to do is tear them down, Americanize them, and then steal their natural resources. It's been the playbook for thirty plus years, hundred um, percent. But you know, and, and again, with natural gas, look what's happening here. Nord Stream. Now they have to buy American, you know, U.S. LNG, right? And and that that was the, the long term plan. It's it's also about resources. We wanted to make sure, and who somebody I, I heard talking about yesterday, yeah. we wanted to make sure that. Germany and Russia did not form a strong alliance based upon right. a lot of different things because a strong Russia and Germany doesn't really. Now, my other question for you was BRICS. You know, with everybody, so with U.S. bases surrounding Russia, with them making deals with China, with us saber rattling against Taiwan, with what's happening down in South America with the currency and the de-dollarization, the fact that Saudi Arabia is now going to buy um is now is now going to allow China to pay for oil in yuan versus versus U.S. dollars? All the things that are happening there. How, how does this? How do we? How do we undo this to the point where this does not escalate? The point where we're all 
running under the tables every every hour or whatever. Like, I I don't want to see that happen. This is why we're and we're going to talk about that in the next article, which is which is about the the anti-war protests and the anti-war rally that's going to be happening. Uh, you know, how, how, how do we stop this now? I mean, well, I mean, this this isn't going to be stopped. It's going to go one way or the other. That's the thing. Like, it's it's the there's no uh, people need to understand Russia is fighting an existential war. Like they're not just fighting for Russia, they're fighting for essentially the world, essentially. This is how a lot of people are seeing it now. A lot of people outside of Russia are seeing it. I don't even, I don't necessarily think Russians themselves are seeing it as much as uh, as they should, but I think um, people outside of Russia are seeing it. You mentioned BRICS. Well, BRICS is growing and it's yeah. growing exponentially because these countries that have all been the victims of US hegemony are realizing that it's actually beneficial to have multiple economic relationships with people who are going to treat you as equals rather than tell you what you can or cannot do, who you can or cannot talk to, and have a very unilateral hold on the relationship versus a relationship with mutual benefits that are happening. That's why, again, you're seeing Africa, where Sergey Lavrov just finished his leg of a multi-country a trip there where he was widely well received because again Russia has a history with Africa helping to decolonize Africa under of course the Soviet Union and helping uh, especially in South Africa as we know uh during these times and uh whereas Europe and the United States especially Europe and uh, France England the Dutch have a history of colonization and uh, what they've been trying to do and what the United States has done and what Lavrov accused the United States of still trying to do is neo-colonialism, neo where they want to maintain this neo-colonial hold on Africa. And Africa's like, no, we're going to have a relationship with China. We're going to have a relationship with Russia. It's not about ideology as much as it is about economic need and about banding together against what they see as this unilateral attempt to maintain power while this multilateral uh, attempt uh, is growing and it's becoming strong. And you talk about, you know, Latin America, Latin America has elected more uh, anti-establishment, more uh, anti-West, not even anti-West, but just it, it, politicians that are going to hold the West more accountable, that are going to try to seek independence from the West and reliance from the West. Obviously, I mentioned the de-dollarization, but beyond that, it's just economic ties to the uh, countries, powerful countries like China. They no longer need the United States. This is what the United States needs to realize. Uh, they don't, they're no longer needed. Ru the Russian sanctions aren't working. I, I put up a video not long ago about a Russian market. I have seen, I've never seen more juice in my life as I've seen here. Somehow I can order to my door fresh orange juice and I can't even get that in the United States, fresh squeezed orange juice. I can't even get that in Florida and there's supposed to be like oranges in Florida and it's insane. And, and, and it's not working. The sanctions aren't working. Why? Because Russia has India and India isn't really talked about enough, but India is growing. It's growing economically and they're tr and trading in, they in, with India rubles to rupees and they're trading with China and they're trading with um, Pakistan. And they have all these relationships building up. So Russia doesn't need the EU. 
the EU needs Russia. And Germany, as you mentioned, was the number one most effective country because they always got this cheap gas and energy mm -hmm. from Russia. And the United States did not give a damn about sinking Germany because they don't care about sinking their allies. They've done this time and time again, and they say as much. And, and they did it because, of course, it makes some money. The, uh, the amount of money being made by uh, Lockheed Martin, Boeing, and all of these companies is insane. And so the United States is basically using the EU for the economics of supporting this war, using NATO's collective for, for arms and for, and for uh, uh, actual bodies and using Ukraine for the majority of the bodies and the majority of, of, of just the, the po political aspect of it. How much is the United States really losing? They're not really losing much and the defense industry is making a lot of money. The American people are losing. The American people are being left and pushed aside as they usually are. Uh, because before, if you had a world war, if you fought war, you were supposed to see some benefit at home from it. You're not seeing any benefit at, in the United States from it, not for the people. You're seeing only the benefit go to the defense industry. So okay. eventually something's got to turn with, with the American people. It's the, the American people are, I think, the only ones, the ones that mainly have to come and show uh, an, an, an anti not just an anti-war movement, but an anti-US military State Department movement, because it's not just about being against war. It's understanding that there's going to be opposition to your hegemony, that people are going to fight against what the United States is doing, and they have every right to do so, that we have more in common with people of Russia than, than we do with our leaders, that your enemy is not Russia or China or Iran or any of these people that they tell you are your enemy, that your enemy is the State Department, it's Victoria Nuland, it's Jeffrey Pyatt, it's, it's, it's Joe Biden, it's the Democratic and Republican factions. Those are your enemies. Um, and and that's, that's really where it has to come from. It has to come from the United States. Mm. Yeah, They're, they are trying to destabilize the world at the behest of their, of their benefactors, you know, we're, uh, 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 what's the, uh, the defense fund or the, the, the hedge fund or whatever, the, the consulting company that Blinken used to work for that Michelle Flournoy still works for. They're one of the most influential companies in, in the world because they're like one of these behind the scenes organizations. They mm -hmm. are lobbying, they're a lobbying organization. They're lobbying, um, Washington to allow for the fascism, for the technology companies to be more, even more enmeshed in, in what's going on. And now you've got, you know, back and forth. You know, Alan McLeod reported on this last summer from Facebook to Google to not just the Twitter files. You know, we know that all the FBI, ex-FBI, CIA, yeah. former people that work there, but they're threaded throughout, the, throughout all these social media companies. And we know that they're reporting back. I mean, they're there for a reason. Um, but as Margaret Kimberly saying, tanks this week were on, or last week were on everyone's list from, Leopards in Germany to Abrams in the U.S. And mm. they require manpower, highly trained, who need months to learn how to use it. Ukraine has neither enough men nor time necessary to make tanks useful for them in battle. Yeah. So, of course, Russia's got tanks and soldiers who know how to use them. And the latest alleged game changer won't amount to much in the way of assistance for the beatified Ukrainians. And she's 100% she's right, right? But Newland wow. and her boss, Blinken, and his boss, Joe Biden, are caught in a bind of their own making, right? But... That, that, you know, fantasy foreign policy is just that. The only thing that makes sense is to talk to the target nation directly. Yet, if the past is any indication, they probably will do something reckless instead. Because they don't want to come to the table. We know they've been scuttling negotiations for close to a year. Nord Stream explosion points to the danger 
that the U.S. poses to the whole world. Hopefully, like you said, people are going to start waking up to that. I think they have, but they've been afraid of, of our military. But what they see is that Russia, by proxy, has been holding off the U.S. military pretty damn well for close to a year. And it's, yeah, it, uh, they shouldn't have to. Um, it's, it's a terrible thing to see as an American. First of all, we're depleting all of the resources and all of the stocks that we had been building up over time. Why? So that the defense contractors can reload. Okay, got to get out those 22 models. We need to move, we, we need to make space for the 23s. Like literally that's what they're doing now. Um it's making me crazy. 70 Abrams tanks and now they want leopards. Why? Because, 1488. Yeah. From yeah. Germany. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Rearming Germany to the tune of 100 billion dollars. That's a good idea. Who thought that whoever thought that was a fucking good idea? Um just look, they have been they are a sovereign power economically. They did not need to be another military power. The last time that happened where they were the military and economic power in Europe, something good didn't happen for a while. And it took the Russians to actually go in there and fix it. Um, and us too, of course. I'm not saying that, that we didn't. Um, in the process, they create more dangers to Europe and the whole world as they play a game of chicken amateurishly with another nuclear power. Right. Ukraine is losing, dependent on an unending supplier, Supply of money from D.C., suffering many after many casualties, of course, we know. And we don't want to see that suffering. We want to see peace. We want to see this end. We've been wanting to see this end for, since before it happened. But shelling the Donbass repeatedly, starting on the 16th of, uh, of February. This is something that actually somebody who I, who I had started, who I met, I think, in Convo Chat and Convo Discord way back when, for Mitch to twit. On Twitter, uh, he goes on these crazy long rants. But one of his things, and I absolutely agree with him, was that this operation, this conflict had not started on the 24th of February, but it actually had started on the uh, 16th of February when there was shelling happening in Donbass. And nobody was acknowledging it. Nobody wanted to pay attention to it. And on the 24th, that's when uh, Putin declared the, the republics independent and said that he would protect them after they had begged him for ages to do so. And he had set deadline after deadline. And there was, how many times did they say that he was going to invade, he was going to invade, and he was going to go all the way to Kiev. And he didn't do that until way, way afterwards. Because that was never the plan, but they kept poking the bear. You poke the bear, that's what's going to happen. You know, Zelensky... Yeah, he hasn't gone to Kiev either. Like, he still really. hasn't, like, right. He, yeah. And they could. That's the thing. They don't want to. Russia does not want to uh, take over Ukraine. Like that's, or definitely does not want to take over Europe. They don't like, I mean, the Russian way of, of being is uh, different than the European way of, of being. Yes, there are young people here who see through social media, the, the coolness of the West, but overall, Russia is not just Moscow. It's, it's everything outside of Moscow. And this is something that happens in every country I visited. The capital is one thing, but the rest of the country tends to be more, uh, loyal to the the national aspects of the country, they tend to be more aware of what's happened and and the history. And um, Russia understands that you know they're different. They're not Europe. They will never be Europe. They'll never be accepted by Europe. This is not this is not about expanding like they've been trying to tell you that you know Putin is Hitler and, and wants to expand and take over the entire uh, entirety of Europe and you know all this and that and 
it's actually the EU through the World Economic Forum and the United States that want to expand and take over the entirety of the world and just subjugate us to this whole ideology and this totalitarian government. And more people here talk about that than I've seen people in the States. It's, it's oh, remember, it only started with a few of us um, where, you know, some called it a conspiracy smoothie, where it was supposed to be this crazy thing. And now, because it's popular, everybody's talking about it. And a lot of people talk about it in a very superficial way, where they just say certain key words and say, the global is here, the global is there, but they don't really know what that means um, or what what they're really talking about here. And, and what we're talking about is that there, there is like a, a war going on between those that really want to subjugate the world into this totalitarian order and it's not communism it's certainly not socialism it's it's a fascistic orwellian uh existence where you don't get to decide what you want in your life you have no independent thought to decide it's it's where the government decides for you where you have to uh, you know adhere to these beliefs or you are cast aside and so with russia Russia is more of a traditional society. Yes, they have their faults. And yes, uh, there are things I disagree with Putin on, but the reality is Russia has a right to choose what they want. So does every other country in the world. What China does, what Russia does is up to the people of China and Russia. You don't have to like it. You don't even have to agree with it, but that's up to them. It's not up to us to defend. When's the last time US intervention actually helped anybody out? If somebody can answer that question for me, uh, you know, that'd be great. And and by the way, even in, during World War II, it wasn't until later that the United States government finally agreed that Hitler wasn't going to be the winner and that he needed to be destroyed. But it, it really took forever for the U.S. to get involved. And, yeah, I remember and that. The, that led to a loss, a lot, a loss of lives. And now Russia isn't even invited to the um, commemoration of the um, of Auschwitz, I think it was that were of the release of, of, of the, of these, of these concentration camps, you know, why? Because now Russia is Russians are the one we hate the, the same way we refer to Russians where the athletes can't compete. Artists can't uh, show their work where, you know, books are being burned and their culture is being looked down upon their, their religion of Orthodox is completely just being destroyed by Zelensky and all, all these churches and stuff, all of that. They can't travel to certain countries. If we switch Russia with Jewish, the, the, we would have a huge problem in the West, but because it's Russia and we've been programmed to hate Russians, it's not allowed. We shouldn't treat anybody like that, no matter who they are. But the reality is it's being allowed. And that's something people don't talk about is like the way this is happening is is just so uh, it's Russophobic. Yeah, but it, it could be applied to any other uh, culture that you decide is the enemy. The West needs an enemy right now. And that enemy is has to be Russia at this moment. And it is also China because well, China, of course, is behind Russia. And that's that's where I was going was Margaret Kimberly said, having had Ukraine blow up in their faces, They've turned their attention to China. And Air Force General, of course, wrote that famous memo last week predicting war by 2025 and exhorted his subordinates to fire a clip into a seven-meter target with the full understanding that unrepentant lethality matters most. Aim for the head. Guys, they can throw the entire population of the U.S. at us and still have one and a half billion people. We're not winning a war with China. We're just not. We are just not.
Members of Congress are still provoking China with visits to Taiwan. Yeah, thanks, Nancy, for that. And of course, Blinken canceled his trip last week. The the balloons were ridiculous. Yeah. Was it even a Chinese balloon? I don't even know if it was. I think it launched from North Carolina. They they only land in North Carolina. They're perfectly allowed to. Hell, when I was in camp, we used to do this balloon launch every year and see we used to tie a, a postcard to it, right? Let it go. And then it, they were supposed to, whoever found it was supposed to mail it back. And you could see how far could my balloon go? Like that literally was what I was thinking when I, when I saw this whole thing, I'm like, Oh, it was a balloon launch. Okay. So yeah. Um, same goal as fair policy in Ukraine, provoke some sort of incident, then sanction China or come up with a rationale to sanction them without an incident. Right. This is what they want to do. Biden administration turns out, turns its old, turns the old, uh, saying on its head, first you don't succeed, fail, fail again. Right? And the people lose. They lost $113 billion while our needs go unmet. But a state devoted to creating a proxy war with a nuclear power has no interest in helping its people anyway. As you said, humanity is a hindrance to their grand schemes. They see the welfare state as something to be subverted. NATO Secretary General said without irony, weapons are in fact the way to peace. Of course, peace is the only okay. way to peace. All right. Uh, wars can end with negotiation, but peace is antithetical to their grand plans. Ukraine is not working out the way they had hoped. Remember, who who has been offering to come to the table to negotiate this entire time? It has not been the United States. They have been trying to scuttle negotiations for a peace at all. So whoever's in chat saying that Russia is warmongering and that there's anything about Putin and Hitler or whatever, it's just not not the case. It ain't it ain't so. You know. You just, you just keep swallowing the intercept and billing cat hole and go have fun with them. But that's just not what's going on here. Right. They see forever wars as a, as a success. This is our military doing this. This is not Russia's military doing this. Russia does not want to spend their resources fighting NATO. They just don't. They want to support their people. They want to house their, you know, the clothe and house and feed their people. All right. They, the, but our people see forever wars as a success. Baiting Russia, China's success is a success regardless of the outcome. They don't see the world the same way that we do. They have made the Ukraine conflict an existential crisis. Has to be. It has to be one, right? World is a zero-sum game to them. And if China and Russia are independent actors, they believe they lose. The problem is they're going to band together. They already are. And, and the, that combined power, you don't want to see that. You just don't. Right? Blowing up pipelines are seen as proof of victory to people who thought they could make dangerous and irrational obsessions come true. Just more merch. Hey, you want to get a hoodie? I got that there too. Purple, dark, good stuff. Those are my, those are my breakups. So the third story that, that, that I was going to cover, this is actually from an attendee. Um, David Swanson, I believe is his name. He's a lefty. I'd never even heard of him, but he's on, he's on the, uh, the list of the people of, and I thought, you of all people would would appreciate this, uh, being a communist who does shows with everyone who will talk to anyone. How dare I oppose war together with libertarians? Because you've been criticized for attending many a protest and many a rally with people who people haven't liked. I thought that this was quite appropriate for us for us to kind of talk about and have you kind of share your opinion on. But that he's getting a lot of criticism for planning to speak in an anti-royal rally, which libertarians speak than he does for sitting around doing nothing. Mm -hmm. In fact, I get exactly no criticism ever from anyone for sitting around doing nothing, even though that's far more dangerous. I love that. Mm -hmm. I realize that sitting around doing nothing or binge watching videos is a top priority for millions of people. 
I see packed sports arenas, vacation resorts. So clearly people could go to an anti-war rally. They have other pri- they have other priorities. But it seems strange and has for decades that avoiding going people near you who you disagree with is a higher priority than opposing war for people who claim they want to oppose war. It's it's so frustrating. You know, we've been dealing with this PSYOP now for feels like two years, you know, since the the first March for Medicare for All. Um, mm-hmm. when they started, and it might even be before that, I'm sure there were Assange rallies and marches where they had infiltrators and people mm-hmm. trying to, 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 to sow seeds of dis- dissent. Um, and it's happened every time lefties try to get everyone together to do anything. You've got this group of people that always has a problem with one or two or three or five or seven or whatever people and this one's of this and this one's of that and this one's of that and you can't ever agree with them right but why would i team up with or even be seen with people who oppose a war because it costs money talking about mass murder massive environmental destruction risking a nuclear apocalypse isn't that embarrassingly comical to oppose it because it costs money well i i guess but I'd oppose war with people who opposed it because it started with W. This is great. If a crowd of people who hated war and water and walruses in Wisconsin invited me to speak against war at an event exclusively against war, I'd show up and I'd speak with perhaps a nice bottle of water and my Wisconsin Badger shirt on because the very point would be the widespread coalition agreeing on the opposing war. But all right, so, so in your experience, and, you, and I know Pasta, you're – he made it at the, at the convo couch. Your, your partner at the convo couch is due to speak at this at this rally in mm-hmm. two weeks. Um, everyone, uh, I can can go Cash App or uh, Venmo Pasta. Go to yesterday's stream for convo couch, and you'll be able to find the um, find the links to it. Hook them up, get them there. Um, but so, what do you think about all these these infiltrators and and the people who I wouldn't even call it? I would call them chaos agents. All right. They are designed to I don't even know who they're talking to at this point, because you're either with us at this point or I, mean, I don't think there's many people in the middle that, that they can get. So it's like, why are they standing there making mm-hmm. all this noise still? That so there's genuine there's genuine criticism of some of the, the, the speakers, maybe just like one or two, if that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not a big enough problem as nuclear war and the potential for nuclear war and somebody organizing an event, a a group of people organizing an event um, to oppose this that I haven't seen organized at all by the left. I, in fact, the the, the left or what they call themselves left is there cheering on uh, money for NATO because uh, Ukraine is needs to be respected from evil Russia completely lacking any sort of understanding as to everything we just talked about this last almost hour. Uh, so that's what the left is doing, or the left is just there talking about how evil Putin is or, you know, doing absolutely nothing, as this uh, man mentioned. They're not doing anything. If you don't like this uh, anti-war rally, then organize your own anti-war rally that you like with the people you like. But that just doesn't happen because that's not that's not the goal. The goal is to, as you said, destroy any semblance of this, any notion of this and cry enough 
to where, and it's not just the left. Libertarians have the same problems. Mm-hmm. Every 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 ideology ideological sector has its own problems. We saw this problem come to terms with Scott Ritter, uh, them trying to get rid of him. Blah blah blah. It's just like ridiculous at this point. The guy was a UN chief weapons inspector during Iraq. Like, what the hell are you doing? I mean, this is this is somebody that should be talking about this um, about this conflict because again, we're we're being lied into another war, and the same thing is happening. And and so, how is is you disliking Scott Ritter or even Jackson Hinkle? more important i mean that then uh so silly i'm no fan but at the same time it's like okay well yeah i mean i think people who are liars and um who are grifting will fall by the weight of their own lies eventually eventually people will see through them and that's that's you can't just have this little tantrum every time somebody you don't agree with comes on and and says something you don't like I mean, if it was something else, maybe this is the biggest anti-war rally I've seen in since the conflict began. And it's so necessary right now. Mm -hmm. And I don't care if libertarians are doing it. I have disagreements with libertarians all the time. I can't stand talking to them about certain things because they always have to bring on the specter of communism and how China is fascist every two seconds. But if you're going to say, hey, maybe we need to stop funding this war. Maybe we need to stop uh, sending weapons to Ukraine good okay well then let's get to you together with a communist or with a socialist or with whatever a right winger i don't care so and that's what's most important is this is we're not going to be able to really argue about ideology or about who's this or that if we're all like if bombed to death uh because of of the the actions of the state department and as i said the opposition has to come from the people of the united states from the people of the west at least people in europe are out there protesting every weekend against sanctions against Russia. They're protesting uh, against NATO. They're saying, end NATO, get NATO out of here. What is the United States doing? Czechoslovakia or the Czech Republic got was able to get communists and, and right-wingers together to organize a protest against NATO. Why can't the, the United States do that? Why can't they even get the left together to organize anything? They can't even get independence together to organize anything because we're so focused on each other and our bullshit than to actually do something. And it's really frustrating because every time you see this effort, uh, there's something that, that, you know, thwarts it and it's by design, but it's also by the fact that this is the United States. This is, this is, again, this is the, the desire to say, well, democratically we have to do this and that. And then you just start going in circles as to try to get everyone's opinion um, but really there's a difference between getting everyone's opinion and, and being victim to these chaos agents, being victims to these people that just want to sow discord. By the way, that is the CIA handbook is to go into organizations and movements and sow discord and, and, and throw off the objective of that movement to where you don't even know anymore what the objective of that movement was, it gets lost because you're so busy talking about who's a fascist or who isn't a fascist and the red brown alliance and all this stuff. Like it's, it's something I've been dealing with with a while, um, yeah. you know, for a long time. This is, I mean, I've been called a Russian propagandist since Bernie's 
uh, first ran for president. So when when people were like, oh, my God, you're going to be called a Russian propagandist. It's like, well, what's the difference? It's, they've been doing it for a long time. What's this going to do to me now? They're just going to call me a Russian propagandist. Am I a Russian propagandist? No, I'm not a Russian propagandist. So who gives a damn with, with the same people? that are so dumb that they can't see through what's going on are going to call me a Russian propagandist isn't going to make or break what I do or what other people do at the end of the day. What, what is really going to stick here is eventually is the truth. 20 years later, we know we were lied to in Iraq and the truth may come late, but it does eventually come. And I really hope people do go to this event and I'm glad it's taking place in spite of, you know, all the hiccups and in spite of some of the dumb decisions I think that were made. I really hope the event can surpass all of that and really, really garner uh, at least attention to really show that there are a group of people from all walks of the political spectrum that are saying, hey, we don't want this war with Russia. We don't want war with China. We don't want this increasing a nuclear threat. We don't want World War III. We want peace. And that's the important message that needs to be uh, resolute. And it needs to be the loudest part of that of that rally. And I hope it is. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, this guy's saying, again, nobody's an anti-war rally to promote libertarianism or any other political ideology except for the bit against war. If they were, they'd be promoting what an array of people we have agreeing on opposing war, which is well, the whole point. He's had organizers of the event on his radio show and agreed with everything they said. They created a list of demands for the rally, agreed with them all. At some point, don't you have to criticize an event for what it actually says it's about and not for its unstated agendas? I mean, that's this is what now the other the other criticism is over one of the organizers and the way that they've handled money in the past and not been transparent. And I think that that's also valid criticism. I would just make sure that that he he's not anywhere near the money. I mean that it's that easy. Um, is there is there no limit? If libertarianism was acceptable in the general society as racism or sexism or some other evil evil as a damn well should be, would I appear beside libertarians? Well, if nuclear war were becoming more and more likely, and nobody else was lifting a finger. You mean yeah? I think I would. I've spoken to rallies against drones with guys wearing NRA hats who don't mind drones murdering foreigners but didn't want to be spied. Right, spoken at rallies against wars with people who opposed only one side of a war and supported the other, which is really weird. In my view, that's slightly more acceptable and useful if done in the country whose side you're opposing, which is what, what's, what's happening here. In fact, I've never once spoken at a rally beside a single person I didn't have some serious disagreement with. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Right, spoken at rallies with members, as long as they don't take the microphone out of your hands, like something like, like, like what happened to Fee, um, yeah, that's, it's fine. <laughs> Um, like that was literally an op, an op that was allowed by the March for Medicare for all people. And they still take no accountability for that other than saying, we're going to get rid of her. They knew what she was going to do. They knew what she was going to do. They had an idea of what she could do and they still allowed her to do it. Okay. I promoted legislation sponsored by members of Congress whose actions I mostly opposed, whose motivations I, I entirely opposed, and whose political parties I consider criminal operations. Um, yeah, but legislation that helps everybody. I don't care who puts it up. Right. So the point is, is, is an anti-war rally, regardless of who puts it up, we're going to show up. By the way, the Answer Coalition has also scheduled, like you talked about, you know, you want to make your own rally for the people who you like. They're doing that. And I commend that. And I hope that people show up to that one too, because we need to say it every month. There should be one every month. It's going to be outside the White House in March. Answer Coalition. Um, 
I don't know who's going to be showing up to that one as opposed to who's going to be showing up to this one. Uh, but the more people, the better. <coughs> Maybe one of the things we need to work yeah. on is not calling people who disagree with you nutcases. You know, how do you expect to persuade anyone of anything if you call them names and, and avoid them? We believe things. We all decided we're nutty. And more importantly, where? What other anti-war rally? Identify it. And if I'm invited, I'm invited to speak. I speak offline and on at every opportunity until I'm able, until I'm sick to death of hearing myself say the same simple, obvious things over and over. So you come up with a plan for an ideologically improved anti-war rally. I'll do everything I can to help. And this is the key. In the meantime, please recognize the sin of omission and that special circle of hell of which it is worthy. And that's, that's really it. Like, you know, rage against war. That, that, that's, that's the key. We want to rage against war. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there's going to be INN members yeah. there. Tara Tar Reid will be speaking. Hosta will be speaking. And a huge, huge lineup of speakers that are, is so impressive and crosses ideological lines from Tulsi to Ron Paul to Chris Hedges, Max Blumenthal, so many people who I respect, um, some people who I don't like. And that's okay. I, I don't have to like everyone that shows up at a rally outside at the, at, at, was it the, one of the memorials like don't hang out with them and don't talk to them it's really not that hard like there's going to be plenty of people there to talk to um yeah yeah so, i mean uh just pasta and i went to the defeat the mandates rally um and i think uh he well he spoke at one of them but we went to several we we went we one of us at least went to uh i think pasta went to both i went to one of them but there were anti uh you know communist flags there were people there there were greens there there were like independents there there were right wingers we were there i mean so it was just this whole thing and, and there's obviously people there that i'm going to disagree with but we were there to stand against mandates so that's, that's what you do you go to these rallies for whatever it is that you agree on and that's what it is and that's that like you know that's it for, for a single cause i mean it, it it that's it i mean if you if you oppose this war you're going to show up and and forget the people that you know you're going to ignore the people that you don't like and focus on the people that, that you do and and not just on people but on the fact that you're there to oppose war and show solidarity to oppose war and, and, you know, coalitions across all kinds of ideological spectrums shows people that this is a big deal. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I had three stories. You gave me an hour and I really appreciate it. And despite all the technical glitches early on, I thought this went pretty well and uh, I love you. And I really appreciate you coming. Um, do you, anything I know you, you're going to be doing convo tomorrow and Thursday, right? Um, I don't know what, what, what's going on for the rest of the week. Anything else you want to plug? Uh, yeah. Uh, combo tomorrow and I think Friday probably. Um, and I have some more videos coming up for my trip to Don Bats that I've been going through. Um, so look out for those and, um, that's going to be a little bit more intense, uh, type of footage type of, uh, interviews. And, uh, what else I won't, I'll be on RT, uh, starting Sunday again. Um, and yeah, just, you know, it's, um, this is the time to oppose war guys. This is the time to, to do the thing. And, 
uh, again, I think the I don't think the United States empire can be saved, but what can save the people of the United States is if they uh, unite, actually unite and come together, uh, not through ideology, but through their opposition against the empire. And I think that could be a potential way to have a chance to recuperate the uh, any sort of governmental institution, but the empire of the United States as it stands has to end for the rest of the world to survive. And if we want it to end in a way that's where it's controlled by the people that should control it, which is literally the people of the United States, then it's going to take some sort of unity among all coalitions of left, right, center, independent, whatever. It, the United States is not going to be uh, won by the right. It's not going to be won by the left. It's only going to survive in terms of the people by a coalition of the people who take back their government. However, that that becomes um, a thing. So first and foremost is to oppose the nuclear war, um, that that the potential is stronger than ever. And nobody wants that. No People here don't want that. And people, I think, in, in China don't want that. And people in the United States sure as hell don't want that. So make sure to let the world know that you do oppose any sort of a continuation of attempts to go to war by your government, because it is your government, it is our government, and we're the ones that have to speak against it the most. Yeah, we need we, we need to, to push our leaders for peace. Bottom, bottom line, you know, enough of this. $113 billion, where could that money have gone that could have helped? Could have been a year of free education, could have been a year of childcare, so many things where that could have gone. And of course, the MMTers would say they create all of it from thin air. I don't want to hear it. $113 billion is binary. You could choose to, to create it and spend it here or spend it there. They chose to create it and spend it to destroy people and to kill people rather than creating it to help people and help our citizens and help others. Um, I also want to plug tonight, uh, I'm going to be on with Jesse Jett, American Tradition, 10 p.m. Eastern. We are going to do an episode on INN exclusively. Tomorrow night on INN, you have INN News with Reef and Colin. I don't know if they have a guest. I know they were hoping to get Garland Nixon. I don't know if he committed. Um, Thursday, I think I'm going to run the original Sunday night. How do we miss that? That we were going to do Sunday, but I was too sick to do. And then uh, Sunday, there'll be another new, how, how do we miss that? So uh, it's going to be a busy week on INN. I am uh, feeling better, thankfully. It took a while. I was down for three days. It was rough. So thank you, everybody, for the well wishes and for sharing and for patience and for Fee, because she's the best for dealing with my technical bullshit. And uh, I love you all, and uh, I'm glad to be back. So thank you so much for watching. And uh, this has been How Do We Miss That? Episode 65 with Fee. And uh, we're out, everyone. Que keep questioning everybody's motivations. That's what, that's what Indy says. I think I liked it better being blind When I couldn't read between the lines when I couldn't see the cracks in the structure that lay bare before me the whole time I think I liked it better back when I Suspended disbelief and swallowed pride I thought I knew the difference in the red from the blue But they both bleed us so dry They both bleed us so dry My favorite songs don't hit the same way I get to the end of a four-minute track and I'm only looking back thinking, what did they actually say?